God's word this morning. The first thing I want to do is I want to read God's word. Follow along with me. There was a certain man from Ramantham, a Zephite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Now, Elkanah is the, the husband of Hannah. And he was the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of that guy, the son of that guy, an Ephraimite, all right? He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man, Elkanah, Hannah and Peninnah's husband, went up from his house in his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty there at Shiloh. I'm at the stage where I'm, it's either too far away or too close. You know, I just got to kind of find that spot. And they went to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, they were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Pinion, to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, that would be Pinion, she was a jealous woman. Her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. She knew exactly what she was doing. This went on year after year. And when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Till she wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Well, this kind of introduces kind of a, a scenario for us that I just kind of want to talk to us all about when we protect our house. I want us to see that you can be a godly man, you can be a godly woman, you can be a godly parent, you can be a godly person, and I'm telling you, you can still expect problems in this life. Amen? Anybody here not have a problem this past week? I want to hang with you if you did. We all got problems. And it's not the problems. The problems do not determine, determine your godliness or your lack of godliness. Godly people have problems. I mean, have you ever been a, a parent and your kids just mess up and you just go, oh, what did I do to deserve that? Maybe you've looked at your child and I hope this is like poor parenting, man. Hope you didn't do this. But, but man, did you ever go, man, what did I do to deserve you? It's not good parenting. The problem is, is that we don't like problems. Somewhere there's this myth in Christianity that says, hey, if you give your heart to Jesus, life becomes absent of problems. That life is just this little bed of roses, everything goes your way, and there's no more problems, no more pain, no more sorrow. No, listen, the believer and the non-believer have pain, sorrows, problems in life. It's just that the believer is promised God's power, blessing, presence, and peace in the times that we experience these problems unbelievers do not. Now you tell me which side you want to be on. We all have problems. Matter of fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. I told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But I've overcome the world. 
Paul echoes this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. He said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ, who in here wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ? Let me see your hands. Yes, all of us do. Whoever wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, the end of the verse says, will be persecuted. See, the problem is that problems come to our house. I don't know how it is in your house. Well, yeah, I do. I know how it is in your house because it's just like it is in my house. I don't have to go looking for problems. Problems are right there on my front door, amen? And you and I have to have this attitude that we're going to protect our house. Now, we can't protect our house from the problems, but we can choose a right response when the problems come. The problem for most of us is we just don't really man up when problems come. Now, can I just kind of tell you a little something here? And this is, kind of, this is kind of off the record. There's not really a slide for this thing. But I think it's time for us as Christians to grow up a little bit and realize that problems are going to come in our life, in our home, in our family, in our marriages. That's a given. In this world, you will have problems, Jesus said, John 16, But he says, don't worry. I've overcome the world. You handle the problems the right way, it'll still be draining, it'll still be discouraging, but don't worry, you'll have victory. Here's the problem, is that when we face the problems, we tend to fold like cheap lawn furniture. Don't we? Somehow we think that God's out to get us because we have problems. God's not out to get you. God's out to mature you. God wants you to grow up. And I'm amazed at what it takes to stop Christians today. It's just, man, a generation, two generations, three generations ago, you read about our founding fathers and, and, and great missionaries and great pastors and, and great people, men and women of faith. I'm telling you, they persevered through the problems. They were committed to protecting their house, protecting their faith. However, you and I, man, we just kind of crumble when the first sign of adversity comes our way. I just kind of want to say this with all the love and I, I have in our heart here, and I know the moms are thinking, this is supposed to be an encouraging Mother's Day message for us. We're getting to it. But you got to man up. Listen, if all it takes to deter you and to detour you off of your faith is a little hangnail or a stub toe, you don't have much of a faith. Problems come. Hannah had problems. She wanted a child desperately. She had none. Elkanah understood it, didn't blame her, said, God had closed your womb, gave her a double portion. And then he said, I love you so much. Isn't my love comparable to 10 men? She said, no, I still want a son. I don't know why problems come your way. I do know it's not an angry God who just says, oh yeah, here you go, problem. Here you go, another problem. Here you go, another problem. I do know that we serve a loving God who keeps problems away a whole lot more than he allows them to come through. So we got to protect the house. Problems come, amen? Amen? Now it's what we do with the problem. It's how do you protect the house? With the problem, let's follow Hannah's example because here we see that a godly woman will pray. 
turn with me, just stay right there and let's read 1 Samuel chapter 1. Look at verses 9 through 16. I'm just going to hit the highlights. Once he'd finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the chair by the door of the Lord's temple in bitterness of soul. Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. She wept much and prayed to the Lord. We don't know the prayer that she prayed. We do know the attitude of her heart that she was broken during this time of prayer. Years ago when I was a kid, we'd have these things in church called prayer warriors. How many, you know, and I mentioned that a little bit ago, but how many of you remember prayer warriors? Man, these are the people that you could bank on it. They would bank on it, man. They would get in touch with God on your behalf. It wouldn't be shared in gossip. It wouldn't be shared on Twitter or Facebook. It it, it was just simply a matter of prayer between them and God. Well, Hannah, I believe, was a prayer warrior. And she took her prayer, and prayer is simply a personal conversation with a personal God, and she took it with brokenness to the Lord. I do think... I do think the world needs moms again who will earnestly pray for their children. Now, it's not praying that your children stay out of trouble because we know problems are going to come to your children. Amen? They're going to come to your home. You as moms and dads and and however the head of the household looks in your home, you have to handle it the right way. You're modeling how to handle prayer. You can either whine about it, groan about it, complain about it, or you can say, all right, listen, we are going to pray about it. And our hearts are heavy and our hearts hurt, but we're going to go to the Lord over this matter. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I want you to know, Hannah didn't pray when she felt good, was on top of the world, and everything was sunny, and there was not a cloud in the sky. This woman was broken, she was hurt, she was lonely, she was isolated, and she desperately wanted something she didn't have. Back home, her husband tried to compensate. Pinia, the, the other woman in, 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 in the home, was just provoking her rival. I mean, they were at odds and adversity, and every opportunity she had, she, she had the opportunity to make Hannah look bad and to elevate herself. I mean, it wasn't a good situation, and so Hannah goes to the temple to pray. Generally, you find the men in the temple praying, but here's Hannah in the temple And she's praying. Now, can I just remind us of a couple of things that the Bible does say? Does not the Bible say, ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you? Doesn't the Bible say that in Matthew chapter 7? And doesn't Jesus kind of go, okay guys, if you didn't get that, let me explain that verse this way. Every one of you that asks will receive. He that seeketh will findeth, and if you knock, the door of understanding, the door of understanding what I'm doing in the world, will be open unto you, Jesus said. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? The Bible tells us that God is a God who hears our prayers, and yes, he responds to our prayers. Here's what most of us do. Got a problem? All right, let's kick into fix-it mode. Let's make our to-do list. Let's get out the plan. Let's organize the plan. Boom, 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 boom. 
we're going to knock it out. This is a military strategy. This is a military issue. And man, we're going to just attack the problem. Hannah said, I'm going to deal with the problem by first praying and pouring my heart out to God. And sometimes that seems like a passive stance to take, doesn't it? I'm telling you, if you want to protect your house, you put a prayer covering over your house. Prayer is one of the most aggressive things you can do in the Christian faith. It's not something that's just there in the background. It's not an extra duty for you to perform. It is something that God says he responds to as you pray. And so Hannah prayed. You know, not only... Does a godly mom pray? But the next thing you'll find out that a godly mom does is that a godly mom will trust God for provisions. Is that a godly mom will trust God for provisions. Look with me at verse 17 through 20. Eli answered, go in peace. May the Lord God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And may your servant, she said, Find favor in your eyes. And when she went her way and ate something, her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It's probably not the best word, remembered her. The more accurate description of what happened is God answered her prayer. God remembered the prayer that she prayed in the temple. And at this time, the time of his choosing, he answered her prayer. Now, by the way, there is a, don't we want God when we pray to answer our prayer on our timeline? Amen. I know we all do, don't we? God, here's my prayer. I'm in trouble. And we don't pray to know the will of God. We don't pray to know the mind of God. We don't pray to understand and grow in the grace of God. We just say, God, I'm in trouble. I want out and I want out now. Amen? And so here's Hannah and she prays and she says, So the Lord remembered her and in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son and she named it Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. See, a godly mom... Anybody committed to protect their house, trust God for the provision. And yes, God does change our circumstances sometimes as part of his provision. Hannah went from being uh, barren to having a child. But sometimes God doesn't change our circumstances. And even when he doesn't change our circumstances, he still provides for us. God is not this absentee God. He's a God very much concerned about what's going on in your life and in your world. And this Jesus that we serve wants us to understand that he may or may not change our circumstances, but his provisions are always there for us, irregardless of the circumstances. Honestly, look back at some of the prayers you prayed. If God would have gave you what you wanted when you wanted it, wouldn't it have messed everything up? Man, I can. I can think of so many. So many. I mean, I don't know a guy who, you know, especially if you're at Bible college and you're dating a girl and you start praying, God, is this the one? And, and, and no, Lord, this is the one. And, and you know, she, you, and it's common in Bible college. You think that the one is the one and the other one hadn't heard from God about it. I 
honestly, you can ask my wife. This is a true story. I had one girl at Bible college come up and tell me that, that God had told her that I was going to marry her. And I just looked at her and didn't really know what to say. And so I'm kind of, well, you, you know how I am. I, I said, well, when God clues me in, I'll let you know. Well, she is much better off with who she married. I'm much better off with who I married. I'm telling you, sometimes if God gave us what we wanted and and provided for us what we asked for in our prayers, man, it would have just messed the whole thing up. What we have to do not only is pray, but trust that God's provisions are the best provisions for us. That his way is the best way. Yes, he does respond to our prayers. Yes, sometimes that means change in our circumstances. Sometimes it doesn't. Paul had this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. We believe it was a physical ailment. I personally think it was um, some kind of degenerative eye disease and where he was probably going you know, blind and, and that kind of thing. And just because he would write, I write this in my own hand. And see, one time he said, see how big I have written. I write this in my own hand. Well, anyway, he asked the Lord for whatever it was, three times, God, take it away from me. 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 And finally, God on that third time said, listen, Paul, I got something far better than sight, if that's what it was. I've got something far better than healing for you. I have my grace that I will provide for you. It's my provision for you, and my provision of grace is more than enough for you. But man, we just don't think that way, do we? We're like, I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. One of my favorite, or one, well, yeah, I like it. My kids really liked it when they were growing up. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Remember the girl? The golden egg girl? What was her name? Yeah, Baruka. Was that right? Did I say that right? Baruka. Man, she was the bad egg. Remember the song she sang? I want it all, and I want it now. And that's how we are a lot of times. Because every time you have a problem in your home, every time you're you're in a battle to protect your house, man, you have got to decide, are you going to trust in God for who he is and his provision? Are you going to pray and get to know what God's going on? Well, God heard Hannah's prayer, just like he'll hear your prayer. And God provides for Hannah, and he will provide for you. Matter of fact, she, she went her way, ate, and it was great. Drop down to verse 21. Verse 21 tells us, as we go to the third point, that a godly woman, a godly mom keeps the promises. Listen to this. Listen to this. Verse 21. She now has a child, Samuel, and when... The man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow. Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, probably around the age of three or four, I'll take him and present him before the Lord. And there he will live always. Wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. 
Hannah prayed for a son. And remember in her prayer, God, if you give me this child, I'll teach my child to love you. I'll teach my child to serve you. In fact, I will give my child to service for you. So here is Hannah who has prayed for years for a child. And she has this child two, three, maybe four years. And now when the child is weaned, she keeps her promise and she presents the child back to God. Wow. You talk about a godly mom. You talk about protecting the house. She kept her promises that she made to God. Most of us who are Christians at some point in time have either informally in our own homes or formally in a church setting dedicated our children to the Lord. This is not infant baptism. It's a time where we thank God for the gift of the children that God has given us and our family. And it's a time of recommitment as parents that we're going to protect our house. We're going to teach our children, I love the King James phrase, to train train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. In other words, we're going to train them up to be lifelong worshipers of Jesus Christ. That's the goal of Christian parenting. It's not just to raise good kids. I'm telling you, unbelievers can raise good kids. Atheists can raise good kids. The goal of Christian parenting, the goal of protecting the house, is that we raise children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We raise children to be lifelong worshipers of Jesus Christ. And Hannah knew that if she was going to raise Same, it'll be a lifelong worshiper of Jesus Christ. She had to keep her promise. And most of us have made a similar promise. God, if you give me this child, God, thank you for this child. And because you've given me this child and you've blessed our home, you've blessed our family, God, I promise you, I will do everything within my power to raise this child in a godly environment that speaks to my life and in a godly church that speaks to church life and to help them realize that their life is to be given over to following the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That speaks to their life. Ecclesiastes 5, 4, and 5 says, when you make a promise to God, a vow to God, defer not to pay it. The word defer literally means hiccup. Hiccup. I don't know about you, but when I get hiccups, man, I have hiccups for like a day and a half. You know, it's just like they just hang on and on. I got to do the bend over drink out of the other side of the, the cup thing, you know? Solomon said, listen, if you make a promise to God, don't even delay as long as the times it takes to hiccup. Keep your promise to God. For it's better never to make a vow to God than to make a vow and break it. Now, I can control the godly life I lead. I can control and have an influence in the church. I can, to a certain age, influence my children. But we know that there's peer pressure, social pressure. We know that pressure in this world is tremendous on teenagers. I hear some of you say, oh, pastor, if I could be 16 again. I'm telling you, if you could be 16 again, you wouldn't make it. It is tough. And there's a point where they become responsible for their own choices and their own actions. Your promise, your challenge is to keep the promises you made to God. And that's what Hannah did. I can't even imagine praying for this child. And then it's not that she goes and, and sends her child 
off to Bible. I mean, at the age of three or four, maybe a little older, she goes and she says, okay, Eli, here he is. This is my son that God has given me. His name is Samuel. Eli may have looked at her and said, well, child, why are you bringing your son here? Remember that day about five years ago, I was weeping and wailing, and I promised God that if he gave me a child, I would present him back to him. And today is the fulfillment of my promise. Wow. Wow. By the way, sometimes keeping our promises doesn't take us along an easy path, does it? I told God I would go anywhere to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I failed to tell him I would really rather have an exemption from the state of Michigan, but that's all right. Sometimes when we take our promise, or when we fulfill our promises, sometimes the fulfillment of those promises don't take us to an easy path, but we have to be men and women of integrity because integrity is a character issue that protects the house. Your children will not remember the meal you made three months ago or a year from now. They will remember the integrity in which you protected your home. And here's Hannah. She presents Samuel. Every mother in this room can empathize with her long walk home. Thrilled that her son would be in service of Jehovah. Sad that she wouldn't see him come home from his first day of school. Thrilled that one day he might have the privilege of, of being a, a, a prophet or being a high priest and sacrificing in the temple. Yet not being there to wipe away the dirt and the, fix the scrapes and the boo-boos that come along. But knowing that her son would put her arms around Jesus meant more to her than her son putting her arms around her neck. And so she kept her promise and was obedient to God. When you make a vow to God, defer not to pay it, for it's better to never make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Matter of fact, Psalm 15, verses 1 and 4, David wrote, I, the Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary who may live on your holy hill. He, verse 4 says, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. The goal of every mother is to raise lifelong worshipers that will worship Jesus Christ so that they'll trust in the Lord and serve him even if it requires sacrifice from us. Some of you, your children are interested in going to a, a Bible college and you come from a business mindset and that just doesn't quite compute in your world and it causes you to have to decide on what you're going to sacrifice your dream, God's will, God's desires for your son, your plans for your child. Boy, it's all kind of wrapped up in there. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be what we call full-time Christian service either. Whether it's at our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our homes, we need to be teaching our kids to serve and walk with the Lord and walk in the ways of the Lord no matter where they are. Don told a great story. And I, I don't know if he told it. I was in the back 
taking care of some things. But he was having this conversation with his daughter, Abby. And it was the truth just kind of dawned on her as they were talking. And he can tell the story a lot better than I can, but the truth kind of dawned on her that, Dad, what do you mean? You mean there are Christians who don't follow the Lord? Listen, if you're going to protect your house, there should never be a time when your children question the integrity or the veracity of your faith. They should know that you are a man and woman of integrity and that you keep your promises to God and that good times or bad times, you are going to follow Jesus Christ because he is king of kings and he's Lord of lords. And you're going to worship him. Well, let me quickly kind of wrap it up here this morning. And you all know what that means when a preacher says, let me wrap it up. That means I'm going for 20 more minutes, but I'm not this morning, all right? Finally, when we live godly lives and when we experience problems, when we pray and we receive the Lord's provisions, when we keep our promises, we're going to find a godly mom praises the Lord. Go to chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. When Hannah prayed and said, and by the way, this is a song. This is one of the great songs, Hannah's song in the Old Testament. She prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance, for there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. We sing that song, don't we, around here? There is no God. There is no rock like our God. That's the only words I know. But anyway, trust me, we do sing it around here. Hannah is praising God. Can I just submit to you a couple of things that I like about this, a couple of things I don't like about us, and then kind of give you a final challenge. One of the things I like about this, hey, here is Hannah. And man, she's back home, and man, she is rejoicing. Yes, her heart is hurting, but she praises God. Was it the way she envisioned life? Probably not, but she's praising God. Were the circumstances like she would have directed it and drawn it out? Probably not, but she's praising God. Were there problems that she still faced after the birth of Han- uh, Samuel? Probably yes, but she's still praising God. Was it tough to leave her son? Probably yes, but she's still praising God. Would there be future heartaches in her life? Probably yes, that she was a person who was committed to praising God. Amen? Amen. And you're going to face the same thing. And I'm telling you, I'm going to sidetrack here a second. The world has seen enough wimpy, whiny, crybaby Christians. Amen? You can either amen or owe me on that one. You need to take your pick on that one. Listen, why not be a people who praise God even in the storms of life? Why not be a people who praise God? Because God knows the end from the beginning and we trust his provisions. We know that he loves us and he hears our prayers. And we're going to keep our promises to God. We're going to live faithful. We're going to do what God has called us to do. And we're going to be faithful to that task. And when he does all of that, whether it's like we would have wanted it to do, or if it's infinitely better than we ever thought or imagined it could be, we will be a people who worship God. We will give our praises to God. And the world will not hear our whining. The world world will not hear our belly aching, even though we're not going to be plastic and, 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 and unauthentic. We're going to live transparent lives, but we're going to let this world know that Jesus Christ is on the throne of my heart, and yes, he is my God, and I will praise him. Amen? That's hard to do, isn't it? 
By the way, it's easy to amen on Sunday when you're sitting, and I don't know if the heat's on, the air's on, but in the weather, you know, a climate-controlled temperature room on Sunday morning. It's harder to live out when the boss calls you in tomorrow and says your job is gone. Pack your things. Security will escort you out. It's easy to sing that when your child's not sick and then when your child is sick and you take to the doctor and they say there could be a host of issues involved ranging from cancer just to a simple virus that has no name and we need to go looking for the cause. You see, people are more impressed when your, your praise is in the storm than they are your praises on the mountaintop. Those are easy stuff to do. One of the things I don't like about what we do here in the church is we tend to segregate families. You know, Wednesday nights, teens have their service. In the mornings, we have just a phenomenal children's church ministry. They are absolutely phenomenal. They just blow it out of the water. We're trying to do some things that will continue to enhance that ministry. But man... When do children get to see you as moms and dads praise the Lord? The average family does not have family devotions. The average family does not talk about what goes on in church other than the ride home and go, what did you learn in church on Sunday? And you know the answer. We learned about Jesus. It doesn't matter what they learn. I mean, the, the answer is always, what color is the sky? Jesus, mom, that's a trick question. I know, the answer is always Jesus. And we don't engage our children in the truth of God's word. Can, can you just imagine Hannah realized that when the child was weaned, she, she, she had a definite timeline in her mind that when the child was weaned, I'll take him to the temple. She had a certain number of years to pour herself into the life of the child. Listen, moms and dads, I don't know when this happened. Somewhere around first or second grade, this internal clock that I have started ticking with my children. And I realized that with Benjamin, I would only have maybe 12 13 years at best. With Byron, a little more. With Blake, a little more. And the clock began to count down and tick down and tick down. And the closer they got to graduation, the closer that they got going off to college, the more, the more louder that tick became in my ear because I realized I had so much to tell them, so much to share with them. Listen, you cannot wait till the day before they go off to college to have a serious spiritual talk with your child and expect them to take you seriously. If you're going to protect your house, if you're going to protect and guard the heart of your children, it has to be something that you do consistently, faithfully, intentionally, and deliberately. Man, protecting your house is hard work. Because just about the time you got the front door covered, somebody sneaks in the back door. Somebody, about the time you figured out how to work the remote control parent guard thing on your DVD, DVR, TiVo, satellite, whatever it is now, man, it comes through the internet. Man, we have to work hard at protecting our house. And the way we work hard is to not necessarily build on all of these safeguards, which I'm all for that. But I'm telling you, it's to man up and be a parent who prays. It's to man up and to be a mom who trusts in God's provision. It's to man up and, and to be a person, a mom and a dad, a family that keeps your promises to God. And to live your life 
praising God, being a lifelong worshiper of Jesus Christ and pouring yourself into your children from the perspective of faith. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? Protect the house. Protect the house.